Genre. Welcome again to Back to the Future Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie Back to the Future Part 3, one reflex dunking minute at a time. I'm Scott Corelli. I'm Nick Amendez in the news. And joining us from, uh, well, what I know him from is the Thrilling Adventure Hour. You guys know him from a bajillion other things, I'm sure. Uh, Hal Lublin, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Uh, so today we are going back to minute 81, which starts with Marty pouring the wake up juice down Doc's throat and ends with Seamus entering the saloon and saying that uh, something inside him told him he should be here today. So um, real quick, and I, I don't mean that I don't mean to immediately throw you in front of the, the train, Scott, no pun intended. Uh <laughs> But do you, because there's a train in this minute, uh, do you, <laughs> do you happen to have that list of wake up juice ingredients handy just so we can get a quick refresher on what exactly is in this thing? <laughs> uh, yes. So just because, um, you know, it, it, it's been the weekend. People might not have that like fresh. I know I don't. I know I forgot. Yeah. So it's, it is, uh, it's basically three kinds of peppers. Okay. Uh, like cayenne pepper, red pepper, and uh, like pickled pepper, I think, or taba- like Tabasco sauce. Okay. Um, I believe there's some t- coffee grounds in there. And then, uh, of course, the, the coup de gras, uh, pure uncut cocaine. <laughs> right which is like 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 it, it lulls you it lulls you right how like you think of like oh it's it's like it's like what you know it's like a dumb college frat and then right at the end like oh okay cocaine yeah right well, that, that explains him putting his head in the trough right yeah. i mean who who out there after a cocaine bender hasn't just run out of a saloon and dunked his head in the nearest water source yeah <laughs> right well you get so hot i mean uh-huh it is the West or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> that's something that's something you really don't see in your everyday life here in 2017 or troughs. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's not enough. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we don't have enough. Uh, there, there aren't enough horses out there, but now they're everybody walks their dog everywhere. Why don't have dog troughs? Oh, yeah. Droughts. Yeah, I like that. Drops. I'm kind of tired of seeing like uh, like an ice cream shop. With a dog bowl outside that clearly they put the water in sometime in the mid '90s and never changed it. Ooh, yeah, like yeah. Just algae, like you're you're trying to poison somebody's yeah. dog. Like the little Futurama hands. dog is outside by it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I I I the other thing too I noticed this water it just it doesn't look it it reminds me of like when you're on a log ride. Like the water in the log ride, that's what it looks like. Yeah. It's, it's like almost looks like it has like oil or something in it. <laughs> yeah, it's true. really opaque. Yeah. Y- yeah. It's it's a real weird color. But I do I need to point out that this trough thing, um, we talk a lot about how, you know, the the bobs, they love the note card method of screenwriting of of setup and payoff. Uh and here we have the payoff from a setup in 
you know, the beginning of act two, when Marty comes into the saloon and asks for a glass of water, Chester, the bartender says, well, if you want water, you're going to need to stick your head in the trough out front. In here, we serve whiskey. Oh, wow. See, I didn't even, I love it because it's like, and, and we've said this time and time again, but when you don't. Like true, true. I think true showmanship is when you don't know that you're being set up. Uh huh. You know, right. like I, I wasn't even expecting that to ever be a thing that would pay off. But when it does, it's such like an unexpected little treat for the audience for paying attention. Mm-hmm. It definitely makes them look super smart. I, it occurred to me watching just this minute, and I, and I I'm a huge Back to the Future fan. It, the first, the original is is bar none my favorite movie of all time. Yeah. And same, same here. <laughs> so much goodwill gets built up in that movie, like faith in in Zemeckis and Gale as storytellers, mm-hmm. and it's surprisingly grounded for how crazy the premise is. And then, right, yeah, <laughs> didn't I? I haven't seen part three in so long that I forgot how cartoony it was. And it's like mm-hmm. they realize, well, we're not making any more of these, so we better burn through all the goodwill we got. From the first one and half of the second one and really just go for broke because it's so like he might as well have steam coming out of his ears. Uh (laughs) They're like one step away from that Yosemite Sam overheating sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, Well, one of the things we talked about when we were covering the second movie was that you could see the influence that Who Framed Roger Rabbit had on Zemeckis as a storyteller with with the second movie. It's funny that you point to this one as being the over the top one, because it's actually like five notches down from part two, (laughs) which was. Uh, yeah, just part, a nonstop cartoon. Part two is basically like an early. It's a it's a precursor to like those Fox Kids cartoons from the early nineties. Yeah, yeah, it's That's really true. cartoony. That's really right. I cartoony. forgot all of the sound effects they use when he's in the future. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and the fact that like Marty is playing his own daughter and just you know, it's it's really Griff is like barely a character. He's really <laughs> he's really just a rage monster like it's it's like if uh, yelling was a person it would right (laughs) um actually in our in our in our uh we we do a patreon exclusive uh podcast for for those guys and we we were talking about the back to the future comic and that comic actually did a really good job of creating a distinct character for griff and making him like a fascist like lapd cop yeah, oh. in in the future of the future, twenty thirty five, because he's he's full of from the film. He's full of like a bunch of like tech implants, right? Which is yeah. why right. he's so glitchy as a human, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, they've done all the. <laughs> you know, it's not too far off from where we are now. Yeah, just so putting he's like a bunch a, so, of technology in his body. So he's, so he's like a Lars von Trier RoboCop by twenty thirty five. That was the intention. Yes. So yeah, that was the plan. But uh, I, getting back to the minute, though, I do need to point out, um, I really like when when Marty and Chester, the bartender, come running out of the saloon after Doc, after he dunks his head in the trough. Uh, they come out and Marty is just like, wow, that was crazy. But Ch- Chester has like actual existential dread on his face because he's like oh he's he's gonna die he's gonna drown himself because he's not awake yet <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, this is always the hardest part of the procedure is 
<laughs> will they will they drown themselves in the trough? Yeah, <laughs> stopping them from killing themselves. They just can't help it. Just you really gotta catch of, them. It's a big pile of soggy dead bodies out behind the saloon. <laughs> all the people who needed some wake up juice. R.I.P. I will, when they when they when they whip his head out of the trough. To be fair, Doc the Doc looks dead AF. Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> he, 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 like he, he looks like he just got pulled out by like the the cops from the killing from like a swamp. Yeah, <laughs> <It> does <laughs> just a bloated carcass filled yeah. with eels. Oh. That's all that's left. Poor dog. So this is a this is a hell of a reflex action. Uh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we've I, already gone full cartoon with let's use a funnel to pour this pepper juice into his <laughs> into his gullet. Yeah, yeah, but like I don't think that works. An an actual clothespin holding his nose. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're literally they're trying to drown him. I mean, that's like you know they they didn't succeed with the wake up juice, so Doc like tried to get the job done himself. (laughs) (laughs) Only I can end this. (laughs) I'll show you how to do it. (laughs) I love I love the the Hill Valley townspeople gaping as Doc's body is being dragged back into the saloon. <laughs> That's a special kind of performing you have to do as an extra. You're oh, like, yeah. I have to I have to act like this is weird, but not too weird. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> this happens all the time in this town. As we've already established, the three of us, there are a ton of dead people who weren't pulled <laughs> out of the trough in time. But somebody's, it's got to be somebody's first day in that town. They're like, what? This... They weren't doing this in Skatchaway up north. Yeah. Like, yeah I, some, I, so someone just said something super, like, dramatic irony. Like, so trust me, Hill Valley's the quietest little town in the West. <laughs> <laughs> you know you know whoever the, the extras wrangler was that day on set, um, like the, sec- the, the second assistant director or something, uh, whoever it was, went up to them and was like, okay, so you need to be surprised, but not too surprised. So think of it like this. This happens every night, but <laughs> it's weird because it's the morning. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like That's quarter true. of seven right now, or actually what, like 7.55 or whatever? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it would- so it's not weird that it's happening. It's weird because yeah. it's the morning. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it would be like if you were in Austin and like at nine, you saw like an unconscious body on Sixth Street. You'd be like, oh, really? Still? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Uh, I need you two over there. Uh, you just came for breakfast. Well, also, there are a lot of functioning alcoholics in this town. It's very clear that the true. saloon pretty much has uh, whiskey. And yet there are tons of people. It's pretty well populated for the morning. They can't all be there to watch. A gunfight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some of them are just it, there to do their morning drinking. I've I, I I've said this before, but uh, do do we have a name of the bar, Scott? I forgot. Like the yeah, it's the it's the Palace Saloon. The Palace Saloon really does strike me as the Luke's Diner of Hill Valley. Uh huh. <laughs> like it's just where everyone goes in the morning. Well, it's the only a- any kind of restaurant. I mean, they don't they don't serve food, but. At least I don't think they do. It doesn't seem like they do. Yeah, yeah. No, I've been, um, I've been. I don't think I told you this yet, Scott. But I've been on my own time. I've been watching uh, the Ken Burns Prohibition documentary on Netflix. Okay, <laughs> and it's fascinating because it's just like I, I, I hadn't really ever 
it never really dawned on me in a real way just how much alcohol was a part of people's lives in the previous century mm-hmm. or two centuries mm-hmm. and just like how, how much the the pub or the saloon like meant to people like living out in those like kind of towns uh-huh so this is all i have yes <laughs> <laughs> well we're awake yeah <laughs> i wasn't the one in my family who learned how to read so i guess i have this <laughs> this is my thing oh yeah. man i don't know what's on the label just pour it into a glass for me you're in charge <laughs> i won't know what it the meant. ship i wouldn't know what it meant if you told me that's right <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then we get what I would argue mm-hmm. is the most beautiful shot in the movie. I mean, it is, it is a gorgeous, gorgeous. Shot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it looks like a painting. And in fact, I'm fairly certain I couldn't find proof of this anywhere, but I'm fairly certain that the shot of Clara waiting for the train, like standing on the platform as the train arrives, I'm fairly yeah. certain that is an like sort of a an ode to uh, arrival of a train by the Lumiere brothers, right? Um, which is the the first uh, film of any kind. Um, yes, I mean it was made uh, ten years after this, to the point where I'm I'm kind of surprised they didn't just go the full mile and just say. Yeah, they were there that day, and they were they were shooting this. <laughs> oh, oh, oh! Like like panning back and being like, "Brother, come here!" Yeah. <laughs> well, so what beautiful. you didn't know it was actually is that they were actually played by two of the members of ZZ Top. Yeah, right. <laughs> that was them. That, they, they were, were just the... collecting ideas the whole time. Yeah, they were. <laughs> Z- ZZ Top with French accents makes me laugh. Yeah. ZZ Top, welcome. Is a shop just men? Yeah. We're looking for some douche. Is there any in this town? La Grange. Uh, uh, but yeah, I would, I would uh, love. I, there's got to be somebody's got to paint. They had to have painted this at some point. Yeah. Some Back to the Future fan at some point because this a shot real, is. Right. Uh, it's real it's good. A, it's a real money shot for uh, whoever designed uh, uh, Clara's dress. Hmm. Absolutely. It is just glow. It is just shimmering in the yeah. in the sunlight. There oh, was yeah. some, some uh, great costume design in this film. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they obviously Absolutely. they had the budget at this point. Mm-hmm. We just yeah. we, we we were it was it was it was not only a week ago, I think, that we noticed that around Doc's neck would what looked just like a regular bandana was actually torn remains from his shirt in part two. Mm-hmm. Oh, I yeah. never knew that. That's amazing. Yeah, which 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 uh, is uh, as we go back into the saloon, Marty is using to he's ringing it out over her doc's face to try and wake him up, um, which I like as a detail. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 practical. Yeah. Well, I sure. wonder if somebody t- had to tell him to do that or if that was just something Michael J. Fox thought to do. Yeah. This uh, is what my assistant does for me. <laughs> <laughs> um but uh i do i like that choice and then uh seamus um seamus enters and uh you know he doesn't normally come to to the saloon in the mornings but 
Yeah. Something inside him told him he should be there. Yeah. And it's such a tiny moment, but I just want to reiterate again, Michael J. Fox is just weirdly good as as Seamus. Mm-hmm. Just he's he's a really talented actor. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um we 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 bring this up in every every time Seamus pops up, how but it's he brings like a, a real like like almost Jonathan Kent like decency. Uh-huh. And and common manness to his role, and it was just like, man, like, yeah, like, I I I think Scott was saying this, but like, if they don't cast Michael J. Fox as, as Uncle Ben in the MCU, like, they made a big mistake. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, I you know I have to go. I look, I know it's not in this minute, but <laughs> the, now we're at the point where he's playing a relative who looks just like him. We know in the future that his yes. child is going to look like him. Mm-hmm. There's no reason why. The uh, Seamus McFly should look like Marty McFly because mm-hmm. he's the product of two parents who have not met yet. And having or- Leah Thompson, like, oddly, is he so <laughs> was he committing incest all this time? Is there we, some weird, like, you we know, have dedicated uh, a profane amount of thought to this very question? It's yeah, important. Uh, it is. Yeah. Well, what we've come up with is essentially that Lorraine Baines. And uh, and and the McFlies, they both have a common they they they. okay so this (laughs) so so okay so Maggie McFly married into the McFlies in Ireland Mm -hmm. and the Baines family is also lineage from the same family in Ireland. Um, and so it just so happened that one branch went into the McFlies and then a later branch went into the McFlies. Yeah, I don't know. I guess so. Yeah. I just <laughs> I mean, like looking fine. at it. I just like looking at it in kind of a cloud atlas sort of way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I mean, uh, b- you know, Bobby G's uh, explanation is that McFly men just have a type and that type is Leah Thompson, um, <laughs> which... Is fine, I guess. <laughs> At a certain point, he he was like, "Well, we already made the movie. What do you want from me? Yeah, you want me right. to, well, hold on. Let me get a time machine that doesn't exist. I right. know. I, I mean, yeah, let me get my. DeLorean I mean, ultimately, everyone just wanted to work with Leah Thompson again. Sure, um, she seems delightful. Yeah, I think it would have uh, been really funny if just to add extra, just chaos to this timeline or this this lineage is if like they got. Um, Elizabeth Shue to play the town like crazy witch, <laughs> <laughs> just like like the like the woman in Sweeney Todd, just like ah, oh, yeah. <laughs> get out of here. Uh, she makes meat pies under the palace saloon. Yeah, <laughs> and she hates Maggie, but she can't understand. She can't like figure out why. Yeah, no yeah, of course. <laughs> Uh well I think that's uh, I think that's all I've got for this minute. You guys have anything else? No, I think I'm ready to move into eighty two. Yeah. All right, let's do well, it. Well, uh, how where where can people find you? What 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 kind of podcasts and things are you doing right now? Well, geez, uh, I currently uh, host three different podcasts. One is uh, we got this with Mark and Hal. It's on Maximum Fun every Tuesday night at nine p.m. Pacific time. And that's mm-hmm. uh, my fellow Thrilling Adventure Hour castmate, Mark Agliardi, and I. 
Uh, and then I co-host a wrestling podcast, also on Maximum Fun, called Tights and Fights. Oh. That comes out every Thursday, also on the Maximum Fun Network. And finally, uh, I am currently co-hosting a podcast called Surprisingly Nice with my buddy Travis McElroy, uh, who is the king of Maximum Fun. But oddly, this podcast is not on that network. We are doing it independently, and those are released sporadically. Uh, so you can uh, look on uh, look on my website, howloveland.com. That's awesome. You can find all the info there. You know, I used to be the biggest Maximum Fun guy yeah. in college. Like, I used to love, like, Sound of Young America and Jordan Jesse Go. And then, like, something happened. And, like, through no, through no reason of the quality, I just, like, stopped. And I've always been meaning to, like, go, go back into that pool. Well, this is your time. Awesome. <laughs> Join us. <laughs> All right. Uh, and if you guys uh, want to go check out, uh, maybe we'll put links up to, to Hal's website or his podcast and things. Um, but go to uh, Back to the Future Minute Listener Preservation Society on Facebook. And uh, we got, you know, lots of listeners there all posting every day and uh, telling us we're wrong or we're right or, or usually and, the first and, thing. And we should say <laughs> telling us wrong in very polite, pleasant yeah. ways. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so go check that on Facebook if you're on Facebook. And uh, we will be back tomorrow with Minute 82. Bye.